Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Twin Peaks The Return Part 14, full spoilers for the episode. I don't think I was prepared for the number of things that we would, because without saying what it is, why I like to build to it when we're full spoilers anyway, I don't know, but I just, I like to, right? Without saying what it is, there's a big reveal in the first 10 minutes that I thought, oh, that's a big thing for this week. Oh, the rest of it can just be them sitting eating cake and this will yeah. be a great episode. And then it just kept doing more things and doing more and more and more big reveals. It, almost, it, it got to a point where I was like, this is ridiculous as shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so condensed with big stuff. It's like, whoa, like, slow down. You're, you're, you're hitting with all these big ideas. And then obviously the final stuff is like completely out there. Um, yeah. So, so we're going to get into. Uh, before we talk about this week's, though, I do want to just. Um, this isn't so much about last week's episode, but it was brought up in the comments of last week's episode, um, namely about uh, whether or not Bob is still inside Doppelcoop. Mm. Um, now, because we we were kind of speaking under the impression that he was no longer there, that the woodsman had taken him out in episode eight, because we saw him, you know, see that saw the orb coming out of the stomach. Um, but someone pointed out that no one, they didn't actually take him. And you know it's true or not, so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go back and look at it and just see because you know memory plays tricks. You know, you, yeah, you remember things a certain way. And sure enough, I'm watching it now. I don't think there's necessarily proof that they didn't, but at the same time, it's not as conclusive that they did as I thought it was. We in my were head. just assuming, so we saw what we wanted to see. Kind of, yeah. Basically, you see the orb coming out of the stomach, but you never actually see one of them pick it up or like move it away. It's it's almost like they're patching him up, and you just sort of. He wants to stare at uh, Ray just to scare the shit out of him for like a second. Like it could almost be read that way. Mm. So, so Bob may very well still be inside Doppelcoop. Okay. While while we're on things that just not necessarily relevant to this episode, it, okay. it occurred to me while watching it that you know how we've said how uh, a lot of the the townspeople seem very you know they're in dark places. Mm-hmm. And uh, it occurred to me that the people who we are considering you know they're the, the strangest people. You know, like. Uh, Nadine and you know those sorts they're, they're yeah. kind of the ones that seem to be the happiest as well um yeah yeah I can I, I just thought it was interesting those ones that seem to not just going along with the normalcy of life like look at Jerry he seems pretty happy but he's not just kind of doing what everyone else is doing I don't know there's Jerry what there's Jerry what do you mean who's Jerry who's Jerry you know who Jerry is? No, I don't. Who's Jerry? What? Oh, as in Ben and Jerry. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah sorry. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> what, what the hell? This is. You were making me think, am I saying the wrong name? <laughs> I don't know who Jerry was there for a second. Okay, Are you sure that... you're up for this tonight? I, oh, I'm, I'm game. I'm... Well, to be fair, the, the end of this episode's left me in a bit of a frazzled state, okay? Uh, yeah, all right, all right. But... <laughs> Christ. <laughs> uh, so you were saying Jerry's okay then you think he's uh, what I mean is you know these, these people who seem to be kind of doing their own things they're right, not just yes. doing what everyone else is doing they seem to be the, the, the happiest almost like ca- yeah. carefree well, right now he's a bit, bit in a confuddled state but yeah sure. otherwise yeah okay fair enough uh, <laughs> I really had no idea who Jerry was there for a second uh, you 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 had me questioning. Was okay. like, am I saying the right person? Is this? Have I just made up a name? <laughs> my, my my mind just went to Jerry from Parks and Recreation. And I'm like, he's not in this. That's a different show. Who's Jerry? Oh God, this this is going to be a long one. <laughs> oh. All right, so starting on this episode, 
and I've lost yes. all credibility already. So, um, <laughs> so Gordon, Gordon, South Dakota, he's he's phoning. Well, it turns out to be Lucy. He's, he's phoning the police department in Twin Peaks. So, oh, right away, this is exciting. It's like, oh, that's weird. They've not connected yet. This is a first yeah. time here. And uh, she picks up. He he, he has, actually has a great reaction shot because he makes a comment along the lines of, uh, "What, Lucy, you've been there all that time? It's like, well, not all that time. Me and Andy, we, you know, went on holidays and she's like telling them about it. And there's just this great long silence afterwards where Gordon's just kind of looking around like... Um, he, he's just there just blinking like, I don't know how to respond to this. Yeah, uh, Gordon can't process Lucy. Um, but he's there to return a call. He's he's been contacted uh, by Sheriff Truman, uh, of course about about the in this case. I mean, I wasn't actually sure where this was going. I thought it might bring up the key or whatever. But no, it turns out it's specifically about the the diary pages, about the Laura Palmer diary pages that indicated to Cooper's. Um, and of course, this will mean something to Gordon, and he, it clearly does to the point where he he says back to back to Harry, not Harry, sorry, Frank. You see what I did there? Um, he at least that one makes sense. That one's no, explainable. No, I'll, give, I'll give you that one. Right, um, but he says back to him, "Look, I can't tell you the significance of that information, but I'm glad you gave me it." Is basically the gist of the scene, uh, and that's that's pretty much it. it, uh, it it's that's it. It's not like a, a big deal of a moment for us, but it's no. nice, you know, just for them to get. Right, they're putting the pieces together. Information yeah. is starting to flow in the right direction. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. That, that did not prepare me for uh, what what comes up next, though. Oh, that's it. Before we even get to the meet here, so we got we got a scene with Tammy and Albert, and they're in what well, they've basically made their makeshift like headquarters in in Dakota. They've got all their equipment in there, um, and Albert's telling telling Tammy about the the case that started the Blue Rose, like what what started this whole project, this whole task force. And it was 1975, and he tells the story of Lois Duffy. Two FBI agents uh, responded to a, responded to her home and found her dying, dead. She shot and asked and asked sorry, shot in the abdomen, shot just in, in abdomen. case it's relevant. And you know as yeah, to it where. could be, yeah. Um, and as she's dying, she says, "I am like the blue rose," and then smiles, and then vanishes into thin air. Yeah. And then it's at this point where they notice the other person in the room is also Lois Duffy. And obviously tells me, like, eh, doppelganger. Oh, we, we got doppelganger in action here. Um, and then he reveals that the two agents were Gordon Cole and Philip Jeffries. Okay. So, yeah, it feels like it makes sense that those are the ones. Because even in, like, and obviously this comes up in a minute, but even in Fire Walk With Me when Philip Jeffries showed up, uh, Cooper had never met him. Yes. Like so, so like the idea that he was there back at the start of all this. And things went down, uh, but he's basically he says to Tammy, so what what's significant? What's the question you should be asking me? And she's like, what is the significance of the blue rose? And she gets to the right point that it's not natural, that it's it's not something that actually happens in nature. It's yes. if there's a, if a blue rose exists and someone has created it, it is a. Uh, and then she goes on to use the word a, a tulpa, uh, which uh, means like a, it's created through mysticism and like a kind of. A, you know, not not the real thing. It's an illusion almost. Yeah. So, um, so no, uh, th- that was very much just like laying down some of the history for us. And I'm sure people who have read the the Secret History of Twin Peaks book probably had some of this information already. But this was, I think, on the show, laying down some of this history and putting the the timeline in motion. Yeah, it's nothing. Again, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's just filling things out a little bit for us. 
Yeah, but that's it. It is, it is sort of cleaning up the stage a little bit. It's putting things in order where, like, okay, we know where all this started initially, you know, before we ever got to Twin Peaks and Laura Palmer. And, uh, I mean, we go further back than that than Gordon does. We, we know it goes all the way back to the nuclear bomb. So, like, so all, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, then Gordon comes in, he's quite happy, uh, and we get what I have written down as the window cleaner attack. It's a good description of it. Uh, where the noise of the squeegee uh, upsets Gordon's hearing device and I thought, I thought this was interesting because it was actually kind of creepy even though nothing creepy was really happening yeah and it was giving him like because like, he was turning up so loud he was getting feedback yeah uh, the, the, was, uh, stuck in a loop which is you know that's what feedback is uh, very good yes um, it is, it, it's just, the idea you never see who the window cleaner is or you know what he looks like it's just a shadow through the through the curtains through the blinds yeah. and you just see the movements um, but it's kind of isolated and then the, the scene goes on that's when Diane comes in and she's like Deputy Diane reporting for duty Gordon asks her right that, that last night with Cooper that he came to see and she's pissed off that she's been asked about this she doesn't want to talk about it but he's like no we need to know one thing did he mention Major Briggs but she says yes yes he did and that's when he opens up a little bit more about what they know about the case, about Briggs and how Briggs was supposed to have died in the fire 25 years ago, but it's now they've found his body and seemingly he's only been dead for a few days, all this stuff. But then, of course, the big thing here is the ring. Yes, now now, now comes the bombshells. He brings up the ring and tell, tells Diane the inscription, which was, To Dougie, love Janie E. And Diane's like, oh, shit. And I'm like, why is she reacting to that? Yeah, it's like, okay, that does, it, it, even to us, that was never a big deal when we found the ring. It's like, okay, we know Dougie and Janie over there. We don't get why this is here, but yeah, it was it was a big deal in that. Okay, we know those characters. Why is there a ring inside this body? Like, right, what, what's the connection there? But other than that, there was no. Whereas, Diane's reacting in a different way here, and then yes. she explains, and all of a sudden, I'm like, that's what the E and Janie E stands for. <laughs> stands for Evans. Janie E is Diane's younger half-sister. Yes. And my favourite part of this... Obviously, this was a bombshell, and I was, like, sitting up and like, what? What? All this time? Right? And it makes sense. Think about how, like, Janie E's personality, how she commands the scene, how she talks to people. And she's, like, a... You know, she, like, storms through people and, like... Yeah. Demands things. It's very Diane. I love the idea that this version of Cooper ended up with a almost version of Diane. Mm-hmm. It's like because yeah. it was like a not quite Cooper with a not quite Diane. Yeah, I kind of like that. Uh, my favorite part of it though is when she's like, "Oh, Janie, she's 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 married to a man named uh, Douglas Jones," and then as she says the next sentence, there's just this hint of disdain in her voice. Everyone calls him Dougie, <laughs> and it just made me like it was almost this meta moment again, where it's like, "Yeah, we know the audience is sick of hearing about Dougie," <laughs> so yeah. she's sick of hearing about the name Dougie as well. Uh, but there's just that disdain in their voice. But I just I love it because actually, like their personalities are actually kind of similar in a lot of ways. At least the yeah. way they they you know they they handle themselves in in situations is very similar. Speaking of disdain, when they mentioned names, I got a good chuckle when Albert said Janie E. He was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so big stuff, big stuff. Um, and of course, this makes you think back to the have they asked about Vegas yet? Of course. Was she yeah. expecting those names specifically? Was did did Diane somehow select Dougie as the the vessel for the fake Cooper, or did she get give fake Cooper or double Cooper the 
Like, oh, that's where you can put them. That's you know. Yeah, yeah. Did 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 Dougie exist? Did some version of Dougie exist before that? Because if not, it it would imply to me it was like no, Dougie was created from this. Like you know, this last night that, yeah. that Doppelcoop came and visited Diane. Maybe and he's learnt about Janie then, for what, however and he's she's, done that. She says that they're not spoken in years, that they're estranged, and she hates her. And I'm like, well, she hates her sister. She's like, yeah, send this awful, weird copy thing to him, to her. Yeah. You know, for, you know. Like, and I, I can kind of see that all, all working out. And But again, I'm still kind of thinking that Diane, deep down, is actually still on the good side of things. We're just waiting to see yeah. what the spin is. What, what is she actually playing at? Uh, maybe that's just blind hope on my part, but that's... That's Gotta have some hope. Then we cut to somehow what might be the funniest scene of the entire season. Uh, Gordon calls the Las Vegas FBI office, and uh, it explains to them uh, they want a, they want a, you know Mister and Mrs. Douglas Jones, um, and then the other guy Wilson, his name is, points out to the you know his superior on the phone. Oh, there's twenty three Douglas Joneses in Las Vegas, and at this point I'm like, Gordon, you know the wife's name. Tell him the wife's name. That'll narrow this down considerably. But yeah. God, Gordon's just a shit, isn't he? He's just like stirring it up. He does. He's like, give them work. I mean, 23 is not that much to work through, admittedly, but it's still, it's, it's more than... It's more than they have to, yeah. given that they're on a time crunch. Wilson points out how are we going to find him, and... He says, how, how are we going to find the right one? And then the superior at the desk, at the top of his lungs, and I've, I've re- I want to point out like just how... how Oh, that's, that's not going to happen. That's overexposed. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, I just want to point. I, I've written this out in bigger lettering than I normally do, to just to yeah, emphasize. I, I, I did it all in caps. Yes. Uh, Wilson, how many times have I told you this is what we do in the FBI? And then he slams his fist down and like crushes whatever's on his desk. It's and he's being so animated. You know, he's pointing at him during yeah. all of this. It... Oh, I lost it. I just burst out laughing. It's fantastic. People are going to be shouting that at other people for years. Yeah, th- this is what we do in the FBI is going to be like, that's it. That's all you need. Yeah, that, that, that cracked me up. Can, can can that become part of their marketing campaign? You know, well, the when they're recruiting. <laughs> yeah, when the FBI are recruiting, just just have them shout that at the end of the advert. <laughs> Why not? Like, like you know, you know how it's like they, they don't want to make it seem all glamorous. They're like, look, this is the reality of the job. Mm-hmm. And then, so, you know, the show is like, oh, this is what you expect. And this is what it actually is. And then at the end, it's like, this is what we do in the FBI. I'll tell you what, I feel sorry for anyone who currently works in the FBI who happens to be named Wilson, because they're just going to get it now. Every oh, day. And they deserve it. For the rest of their life. I'm sure, I'm sure they deserve it. <laughs> all right. So, 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 Diane leaves. Diane leaves the scene. And this is where, like, okay, I'm going to tell you guys. He tells them about what happened in the phone call. He's like, okay, two Coopers. Obviously, that perks everyone up because they're like, oh, wait, okay, we're, we've dealt with two people before. In fact, the first ever instance that led to this whole Blue Rose thing in the first place was an example of two pe- versions of the same person, right? So Right, so it's not groundbreaking news to them either. It's not like, oh, there, there could be two. Yeah, it's so, like, okay, there could be two. That's that's interesting. Yes, yeah, to them, two Coopers isn't this weird, like, what the hell? To them, two Coopers like, oh... Yeah, yeah, there they, could be too. It's understandable why they didn't yeah. jump to that. Or at any yeah. point. I mean, maybe they would get in there anyway, and this was just more conclusive. But you know, it was, it was, it wouldn't be. Oh, this is completely unheard of. Exactly. So then he, he's like, he said he had a, a Monica Bellucci dream last night. Uh, and before we, before 
Yeah, and before we even get to the dream itself, I just want to point out I love Tammy's reaction to this. As soon as he says it, it cuts to her, and she's got this little smirk in her face, like, "Oh, you dirty old man!" Like that, that's that's the look. <laughs> it's like she's expecting a dirty a dirty story here. Um, so, dreams in black and white, and he's talking about a cafe in Paris where he meets Monica Bellucci, and it is Monica Bellucci playing herself in this dream. Uh, because of course, because you're David Lynch, you can get anyone you want. Because of course you can. Um, and he mentions obviously there's a lot of details. He mentions that our friends were there; they had coffee, blah blah blah. He said Cooper was there, but he couldn't see his face. I mean, we get that shot where, and this is the only well, actually, that's not the only time, but it's one of two very subtle moments where we see Cooper in this episode. We don't see like present day Doppel Cooper or actual you know Cooper with Dougie or anything yeah. like that. But we see him in here standing in the dream, where his face is cut off. He just sees like sort of chin and mouth a little bit. Um, so the idea that he's monitoring what's happening in this dream is yes. definitely the kind of the point here. Um, he's, he's this unseen viewer, this voyeur. Um, and yeah, so Mar- Monica Bellucci, brought friends, uh, and she's like, and he says, and then she said the 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 oldest phrase or whatever the way phrase that she said, she said an ancient phrase. Yeah, I think it was the ancient phrase. I think that was the thing I I remembered about it. Was it the second? It was the way he said it was the ancient phrase, as if it was mm, even more important. Right um, she said, "We are like the dreamer that dreams, and who lives inside the dream." And then who lives inside the dream? Um, yes. So right away we're like, okay, Cooper especially, he dreamed things about the lodge, and then he lived in the lodge. Like that, that right there, there's like, there a clear yeah. correlation to that. But then it gets even wackier, and my my mind went racing when she then followed up with, "But who is the dreamer?" Yeah. Now obviously I'm still like, okay, Cooper's the dreamer because that's what I, that's what I just said. Cooper, Cooper's done all this. And we've talked a lot about how other characters have had dreams and they've meant something. Um, and certain people have went to live, then live in the lodge. Uh, Cooper, yes. especially. Briggs, as well, to an extent. Um, it's from what we can tell. These are other people. Um, but it, it does suddenly make you go, okay, is there something not quite right? You know? it, it, do you know what, what I thought of? Go on. Episode 8. You know when we saw you know, the, the birth of... Uh, the 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 lore orb we'll call it you know the golden orb the golden orb yeah and you know the way it came you know like it almost came out of the head like a dream you think the giant's the dreamer i think he might be hmm i don't know i'm just i'm just putting nah, it out there as a, as a possibility it's not a terrible idea it's not a terrible idea but i, th- I think uh it, it just it immediately went okay it's kind of implying that there's something it's saying that there's someone central to all this that they've not quite figured out. And it made me wonder, like, you know, if the whole Audrey theory about her being in a coma is correct, is she the dreamer right now? And She, she's li- she is living in the dream. Yeah, if that theory's correct, then she is living yeah. in the dream. So, like, there, there's definite things there. It, it, this is one of these like, simple little exchanges that just it, it exploded with possibilities as to what it could mean. And I have yeah. really no way of narrowing it down at this point and saying, oh, that's that's exactly what it means and that's exactly... Right, there's, there's a there's a hundred different answers. I think, like I said, the obvious one's Cooper still. Yeah. But it feels too obvious. You know, the way they're going, mm. oh, you know, like, like you say, there's someone central to this that we don't know and that they haven't figured out. And I think Cooper still seems like it's the easy option. And not that that's necessarily bad or wrong, but it just it just makes me hesitant to be certain that it says... 
I mean, it could also be describing... I mean, we're taking this literally as dreams. But what if it, it simply means it's talking about good people? Like, the dreamer who dreams of a better world and then lives in that better world. Yeah. Kind of idea. So who's the dreamer? Who's the optimist? Who's the person who... Who, who makes the effort to be that better world? Yeah. Which, again, that would still be Cooper, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, at least he'd be one of the suspects for that, certainly. The yeah. main one. Uh but oh, fascinating stuff! Like uh, this exchange was like, oh man! Like I, I almost wanted to pause it just so I could think for like ten minutes before I. Yeah, continued. I also found it really interesting that Gordon's reaction to this. You know, his next sentence was a, uh, I felt powerful, uh, a powerful, uneasy feeling. Yeah, the music gets a little bit ominous, and then there's a uneasy feeling, and then he, he looks around him. That's when we get to the next chunk of it. But it, yeah, made me, yeah. it makes me wonder, like, what if the dreamer here? Um, or maybe not the dreamer, but there's something here as well that's present that's up from like the negative force from the Black Lodge or something like that. Mm. That's like there, there is like again this idea that there's like a war between them, or there's a fight between them, and one is winning. So even this this good dream, you know, he's, he's with Mark Pulitzer, he's having quite a nice dream, uh, is being like infected with that foreboding tone, that 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 ominous kind of presence. Right. Uh, but yeah, so so. She, she looks behind him, signaling that he should also look behind him. There's something interesting. And he turns around and he sort of goes into a flashback almost. He goes into Firewalk With Me, specifically at the, the old Philadelphia office. Uh, the scene from Firewalk With Me where Philip Jeffries uh, comes in. Uh, Cooper before that's also telling him about a dream that he had. And again, adding to the idea that he might be the dreamer, because he's talking about the dream they had the night before. Yeah. And how uh, it was... Uh, he says it's 10-10, February 16th. There you just, go. Uh, just, you know, just in case it's relevant. It could be. I'm trying to ten. Hmm. Certainly, it feels very similar to uh, the coordinates that the, the cops in Twin Peaks have got right now. It's like a time with it. It's like no, this this time, right? This a date. time and a date. Yeah, very specific. Uh, but again, the idea that Cooper was dreaming things and that he has a connection to this this world in some way, even before all this happened, it was giving him sort of premonition like knowledge of it. Um, so obviously, it replays some of the scenes. So we see we see Philip Jeffries from the movie, of course, uh, coming in. And, of course, one of the things that the, the dream kind of points out and that Gordon's now remembering that he'd forgotten was that Philip Jeffries pointed at Cooper and said, who do you think that is there? Mm. And it is, is, is obviously... We know that's actually Cooper there at the time, but with so much timey-wimey stuff going on and with Philip Jeffries himself vanishing out of that scene, like he, of course, is also coming in and out of time. Uh, and, and they mention it here, Philip Jeffries appeared and he didn't. Yeah, and the fact that even Albert right after that says, yeah, I'm just starting to remember that as well. It's reminding me of like when they went to that vortex and how everyone's memories were kind of foggy after it. Which again comes up again yeah. later in this episode. It does, yeah. But I'm like, that that feels very much like that that same thing with this Jeffrey's appearance where everyone's kind of foggy on it because it's just the, the natural but, side but, effect. But all of a sudden it's like, yeah, actually, that's that's something he yeah he said that again much like laura's diary was written before cooper went to the black lodge and doppelcoop came out this was also like a premonition of that moment perhaps where he you know he pointed yes. up and said who do you think that is there like jeffrey's knew at that time this was going to happen mm. uh but no oh. uh good and you just held back a hiccup that was particularly lovely they've been really bad today apologies yeah. i had a i had customers at work trying to scare them out of me i had to try and explain <laughs> that they, they shouldn't bother uh Okay, uh, so 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 that was the end of the the FBI section of the the show, which was like a good solid fifteen minutes, and there was so much in that first fifteen minutes. There was the the sister thing, firewalk with me, Gordon's dream, who is the dreamer, all of this stuff. 
Yeah, uh, so dense. Super dense. Uh, to the point where I was like, okay, the rest of it's going to be really calm. Because they can't give us too much at one episode. It, this is one of those ones where it feels like... Uh, maybe maybe some of this could have been spaced out on a couple of those last few episodes. You know, the ones that we were like, yeah, this could have done with something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm sure... But, once... it, but it makes for a great episode It, it does. Like, I'm but... sure once we watch it all, it'll make sense why things yeah. are kind of... I think part of it, that's part of the point. I think there's a deliberate withholding so that you then get rewarded. I think there is, yeah. yeah. But it, it's irritating at the moment, isn't it? Uh, so, police station, Twin Peaks. Mm. Uh, Bobby's brought in everyone's lunch. They've got a little, little packed lunches out. I'm like, oh, they're going on the trip. And I, part of me was being cynical. I went, oh, they're going to set up for the trip this episode, but we won't <laughs> see it till next week. Uh, We're too used to that now. Yeah, but sure enough, like he's brought in the lunch. And just want to point out, there's a little joke about how they're all all the sandwiches are all one's roast beef and cheese, one's ham and cheese, one's chicken and cheese or whatever, you know, all that. And then it gets to the last one. It's like just cheese and hawks. And it, before he even asked, I'm like, Andy's is the just cheese. I'm calling it now. And yeah. then hawks like. Who ordered just cheese? And Andy's like, I, th- I did. It's it's such a pure reflection of Andy, isn't it? Yeah. It's just he's just simple and content. But it doesn't I... need any, it doesn't need anything to dress up that cheese. He just is like he he's comfortable being just cheese. Very good way of putting it. And honestly, this is going to become relevant. Is this it is. as strange that, as that sounds? Saying it. Yeah, as strange as that sounds, that is about to become relevant. <laughs> so, uh, my only other note for this scene, despite the fact that something big happens, is just. Chad goes down. <laughs> Mine just says, Chad, F yeah. <laughs> so they, they arrest Chad. They've been monitoring him for some time, apparently. Um, interesting they chose this moment to take care of him before they go up. Yeah, I, thought, I thought that was interesting as well. Because I thought it was funny how, like, four of what... I mean, it still isn't that big a police force. Like, four of them are all going off to this mountain and this, during the day. Like, what if a big crisis happens? You've got, uh, what's his face? Five-second pose, man. I think man. that's kind of the point. They're like, no, we're all going away. There's no one here to keep an eye on him. We yeah, can't yeah, trust him anymore. We, we've got to just do it now. But it does paint that, that moment with Lucy looking at him, yeah, like, stealing the letter back, you know, a few episodes ago. Like, oh, she was suspicious. Like, she... Like, yeah, even she's, she's in on was, it. She's probably in on it and watching as well. Yeah. Because no way Andy can keep anything like that secret. Oh, God. Uh, their, their pillow talk must just be like a like a, a dossier of like everything that happened he's, he's not holding be, back. especially from Lucy because uh. she, she she rapid fires through stuff <laughs> so we we see them arrive at the edge of the forest and they go in and then what proceeds in fact even the shot before this there's a sort of establishing shot of just over the trees it is gorgeous like these it is this, this entire journey through the woods it is some of the best photography he's had in this season. Which is um, saying something. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's beautiful stuff. It's it's really it's really rich, colourful, dense. And as it goes on as well, it gets more ominous feeling, which is really impressive because it's broad daylight. Like, it shouldn't feel yeah, this yeah. creepy. I think it's just you start hearing, even, even if at first you're not consciously aware of it, that electrical hum comes yeah, in you, at the background. Yeah, you hear the electrical hum and then there's just this, this idea where it's not... It's not super handheld, but there is like this movement to it where it feels kind of unnatural. And then as yeah. it gets closer and closer, and you know, Bobby's talking about, oh, this is the trail up to my dad's old, you know, uh, station, and it's all gone now, and so on and so on. And they get to uh, Jack Rabbit's palace. Just uh, before we oh. get to that stuff, there's um, you know, when they get out of the car, yeah. So you, it does a close up then on the trees, and the electrical hum becomes much louder, like it's coming from the trees itself themselves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's actually, you know, the trees are the conduits. 
I, yeah, I can see it. Or even, yeah, just wood in general. Like, that extends to, like, all the electrical posts and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, but, so, so they're traveling to the woods to tell about the history, and they get to Jack Rabbit's place, and immediately this tree trunk thing that's there, this sort of, like, broke-off tree trunk, I'm like, that looks familiar. And then the shot, the actual camera, does the same shot. It's much quicker than it was in episode 8, but it's the same shot of the, what I'm going to call the White Lodge, I'm assuming it's the White Lodge, and the, the Purple Sea. Uh, from episode 8, that same sort of slow track in and tilt up, and yeah. you know it ends with the sunlight beaming on it, and it's the exact same thing. The music comes in, it's a really big moment where I just sort of grinned and went, oh boy. Because we know part of these woods has the entrance to the, the lodge, you know, the, the, the sycamore trees, right? We know yes. part of the, the woods has that. And then here, because they get to this location and they're like, okay, wait, put dirt in the pockets because that's what the instructions said to do. And I go, love the way Andy says that, like, just for a second, I'd forgotten that was an instruction. Mm. And it, with, because of Andy's delivery, it just sounds like one of his things. He's like, we should put dirt in our pockets. <laughs> like, it just sounds like thing. one of his things. I, I can see it. Uh, but they, they go off to the coordinates because it's like okay, it's so, so many like you know due east from this location or whatever it was, and they're getting closer to this 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 area. And before we talk about what's actually at the area, uh, one of the things is there's like a sort of circle on the ground. There's this like sort of little pit look looking yeah. thing, and it's very reminiscent of the circular entrance to the Black Lodge. There is also, I, I think it was a a young sycamore tree. A young sycamore tree. You know, the, tree. The, you know yeah. the 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 thin white one. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a sycamore. Okay, interesting. I could, I could be wrong, but from memory. And I want to point out, as they're walking towards this place, these these coordinates, the, the visuals start to stutter. There's like a stuttering yeah. kind of thing. It, it, it legitimately almost looks like your, your, your playback starting to corrupt a little bit. It, it does. It feels unnatural to the point you're thinking, is this intentional? Is it feels like this is wrong, yeah. yeah. Like that, that, that's the feeling. It's like, oh, something's wrong here. Yeah. And even if you're thinking of it on a, on a technical level, oh, just, oh, something's wrong. It immediately makes you in that mindset. And of course, they get around to this location, and as we're sort of coming around some trees, so we sort of reveal this mist, this smoke, which is also stuttering. And this is when the electrical sort of scratching is like really distorted and starting to crackle a lot. Um, and we see there's someone lying there. And as it clears up a little bit, okay, it's clearly a woman, it clears up a bit more, and it's okay, she's naked, like, who, who is this? And, you're like, and part of me is like, oh man, it feels super Twin Peaks to find a dead body. If, if indeed she is dead. Obviously at this point, I'm not sure yet, because we're just getting to her. You, you just, when you when you see a body lying in the yeah. woods, like, you just assume dead body yeah. at first, and they until get otherwise told. And of course, it's withholding her face for the longest time, until the, you know, it gets close, and it turns, and you see the face, you see the the eyes stitched up, the several stitches, and it's the woman from episode three uh, who's credited as Nado. That's her name in the credits, Nado. Right, okay. N- I've just referred to as woman with no eyes in, in, in my notes. Uh, N-A-I-D-O, Nado. Um, so we, we get to her. And uh, I realise that I'm just skipping a lot, a lot of my notes here as I'm talking about this. Kid <laughs> playing catch-up now. Uh, I'm was just, just looking back to see if I missed anything important. I don't think I have. Uh, but yeah, so Nado. Conceals her face, uh, circle at the pit, similar to the thingy, right? And then, of course, they don't have much time to process all this. And she's trying to speak, but she's not really... She's making noises. She's making these weird noises that aren't really words. You know, it's the sort of clicking in kind of noises and... Dolphin speak, I refer to it as in my notes. Uh, that's not a bad way of putting it. Yeah, there's a squeakiness in there too, yeah. It's just between that and sort of clicking. And before they have time to really process anything... Vortex. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> 
I was like, okay, this was already huge, just them finding this. And, yeah. and you know, them going, it's 2.53. Yeah, it's the time it says on the, the better Yeah, paper. and then just the, the, the realisation that, hang on, this is what we were here for. And then Vortex, I was like, holy shit, this because, is all going down. Because, yeah, at this point you're thinking, okay, they found this, this woman who we know was protecting part of the, the lodge that's been corrupted. She was trying to help Cooper. Yeah. Uh, at some point and obviously she fell off the, the, the box the, the outer thing you know when they went outside it was a little box floating in space what it looked like yeah. and she fell off that when she when she flipped the switch And so you assume this is where she's fallen to yeah she's ended up here and you're thinking okay they found her they have to figure out who she is what, 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 what's, what's her purpose this is already huge and then Vortex yeah. and that's it and then Vortex and everything's like Oh, we're only just getting started. And of course, they, they, they all stand up, they stare at it. But I, again, pointing out Andy here. Andy's holding her hand. He's trying to comfort her, even though he can't understand her. He's trying to do his best to like make her feel comfortable. And he's the last person to stand up and look at the vortex. Like He takes longer. And they're looking up. There's a sort of flickering kind of thing that goes on. And then Andy vanishes. He disappears. Yep, just In one of those those flickers, he just doesn't come back. Yeah, he just pops out of the, the image. Um and then I've just put White Lodge, exclamation point, and then it's a new page of notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're on page three, for those uh, keeping track. Uh, so, of course, he's sitting in a chair, the giant's there, where it's black and white, again, like whenever we've oh. seen this area. At least, not so much in episode three, admittedly, but whenever it's been with the giant, when it's not corrupted, it's been black and white. Yeah, that's true. Right. And admittedly, this exact location that he's in right now may not be that same location. This may be somewhere else. Maybe he's in hiding because everything in the main areas got corrupted kind of right. idea. Um, but interestingly, he then he says that his, uh, his name is the Fireman. Yeah, which is a new one. for We've, we've seen him introduce himself over and over. You know, where he says, I am the... Uh, you know, we've seen that a few times with various endings yeah so he he is the fireman and this this makes sense fire walk with me he puts out that fire like yeah it's this is so simple um and his credit is that as well by the way in this episode he's great interesting fireman uh, and he may have been in episode eight actually okay I'd but have to, but I'd have to at, at the that. time everyone was just kind of confused like why is he credit is that but like where's uh, you know here it's like okay right he's saying he's the fireman um yeah so he he holds up his hand, kind of similar to what we've seen him do before, where he's made things happen, and he makes an object appear in Andy's hands. Yeah, I, you couldn't really make it out at first. It almost looked at the distance at first. I was like, is that a book? Like the way he was holding it. Yeah, I, I, it looked like a sculpture to me, like some sort of new age kind of sculpture. But it's got yeah. like a, a wick on it almost. Um, however, it doesn't have a flame itself. Basically, what happens is. This this mist comes up and it forms what I'm going to call the the portal that is acts as a TV screen yes. <laughs> for Andy to see things. That'll, that'll, that'll do nicely. Yeah, and then this this what I'm going to call the reverse candle, as it's playing this stuff, sucks all the mist in as it's doing it, and then eventually once it's done, it sucks it all in and then it's yes. contained again, and then it vanishes. Right. And obviously we're going to talk about what it saw, but that's that's what happens. It, it creates this thing on the ceiling. It's just like a it's almost like the uh, the porthole on a ship, rather than a, a window in a building. It is, yeah. It's a good way of describing it. Um, so he, he's looking up, and I've written down everything. The, the gist of this is basically that Andy gets the story so far. That is basically what happens here. Pretty, pretty much. With a little bit extra. But 
I've just noted down, so he sees, you know, Babylon, the mother of uh, all abominations. Uh, we've seen before, he's seen the orb that had Bob in it. He's seen the woodsman and their time displaced thing at the convenience store. The electrical scratching uh, and the, the, uh, the electric poles. Um, the uh, sort of the reaction to Laura's death and then Laura's face with the angels in the lodge from Firewalk With Me. So yeah. he's having all this explained to him. He sees Nado in the forest and then... This is kind of showing that we're back to present day for him because then he's, he's shown that there's two Coopers. He's shown the the Coopers split, and, and it, it's it's really obvious as well because those bits are in color. Yeah, you know, the the bits that are, oh yeah sure yeah the, the those bits that are like the more present day that are part of his experiences timeline. Yeah, although that starts with uh, Laura's uh, death. It, yeah, 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 which is but that's what I mean the the stuff that's relevant to Twin Peaks, you know, is is in color. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he sees the two Coopers. It's clearly showing him that there's a good and bad Cooper. It's clearly, yes. clearly showing that. And then it shows some things we don't quite... Uh, clearly things from the future here. At least that's how I'm interpreting that, that, I assume yeah. so as well. He sees a phone ringing. It's that simple. There's a phone ringing. Line one flashing. Yeah, line one flashing. Which she's been just... saying. And she said that again in this episode. I, I glossed right, over which it. Is why, which is why yeah. I wrote it down. Because she's been saying it a lot. But then in this episode as well, she'd said it. And then you saw it yeah. there. It's like, okay, it's important. And then there's a scene uh, of Andy placing Lucy in the hallway, and I and I immediately just giggled because I got what this was. This is Andy putting Lucy in the hallway because he knows it's meant to happen because he's seen it in the future already. Yeah, that's immediately great, how I it? read this. I, I thought that was fantastic. Like, stand here. This is where you are. I can see you from the past, and you can sort of see her looking up like she's expecting to feel something. Like, you know, yeah, what's going yeah. on? It's, it's just Andy self-fulfilling. Yeah, and, uh, and then we see Nado again. And then, but then the final thing that he sees actually is uh, repeated images of the post that has the number six on it. Again, yes. from Firewall with me, we also saw uh, in whatever episode we saw the kid get run down. It was right after that scene as well. It's like four or five, maybe five or six. I think it wasn't four. No, but it was yeah, right. five or six. Quite quite early on though. Yeah, um, and yeah, so that's the last thing he sees. And then the object uh, collects all the mist in, and Andy disappears. And then we go back to back to sort of the tree trunk that looks at the White Lodge with the yeah. Uh, we have like a, a faded time lapse. Yeah, we have. It's, it's basically this similar, not as violent in terms of being quickly erratic, but it's very similar to the woodsman in front of the convenience store. And the way I'm kind of reading that is that this is the the show's way of showing us that this is the fogginess because immediately after this, they all start talking about how they are not even really sure what just happened. They can't quite remember it. It's like foggy. Yeah. It's hazy. Um. And that's what kind of what this is. Like we see, like all them walking back to this is all overlapping in each other, and it's kind of like all of that's kind of like a weird, vague haze of right. Things. It's like okay, I get things happen. It feels different to those in that you know, like I say it's very smooth. It feels almost yeah. peaceful the way this is shot. Yeah, it's like no, this is just this is how things are. You know, this is still, just we we went on this walk, but still confusing. Still, you know, right? Hard like, to like I say, out. it fades yeah. in and out. Everything's overlapping. Things aren't. They're they're out of place, out of time gentle it's very gentle whereas the the woodsman one was very like like i say very violent, violent yeah, yeah. violently the edited um but of course uh so they can't remember which they actually say after the andy but andy sort of fades but unlike the others they, they all fade in like they all overlap andy doesn't andy's not there during this whole fading and then he fades in on his own at the end and he's yeah. holding nato he's, he's got his jacket around her uh and he's, he's holding her and then i didn't get every sentence but the the the, the core things were Nado is very important, and there are people that want her dead. Yeah, and then we have to keep her safe. We have to keep her safe, and don't tell anyone about this. 
And Joe, you know I love about this, right? So, so to actually analyse everything that just happened, right? This whole Andy going to the White Lodge. He was picked because he was good, because he was pure. And it's not to say that the other characters aren't good, because I, I think the L C are good people. But Andy is boiled down to yeah, he's incorruptible. He's he's just cheese, as you put it. He's just cheese. Uh, he That's is it. good. He, he doesn't need anything else to to cover for it. You know, like the, yeah. the, it, it, to go back to the sandwiches, the the roast beef, whatever it is, they're they're covering for the cheese. They're like, yeah, the cheese isn't enough. They need something else with it. They need a they need an edge. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but Andy's like, no. Cheese, just that's it. it. It doesn't need any more than that. And again, and again, I think him holding the hand just before it's just a way of visually telling us. You know, from the director's point of view, it's just showing us right before it happens. This is why he's taken because he is the he's the kindest soul here. That's not to say the L three aren't they? Because the L three have all proven to be good people. But of course. he 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 is the complete unadulterated. He is the complete innocent one here. He, as you say, he's the, the purest one, I think. Purest, yeah, that's a good word for it. He's the purest. And again, it reminds me of Cooper. Why is Cooper, Cooper's this good person who does all these things to all these people? And Cooper's the only other person, which admittedly, that scene in the start of the season was in the future. We've not got to that point yet. No, that's true. Because he was not Dougie in that scene. He was Cooper. He was. So, interested to see how we get to that point. But this is, I think there's something really fantastic about this, where you take the silly character, the one who is like clueless about everything, and all of a sudden he's the one who has all the knowledge. He's the one who knows everything. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of it reminds me back in you know when he uh he shot what's his name Renault. Yes. And it it was like you know like everything's going on, but and and Andy we, we, it was it was a joke. He was this terrible shot, but then he's the one in, in the moment of of crisis. He's the one that delivered. Yeah. And it's kind of the same here. It's like, yeah, there's all this stuff going on, but no, I, I, Andy's the one who who will deliver this. He, he'll the one that will get the message through. Uh, that's just kind of why I'm I'm convinced that the ending's going to be a win for the good guys. Like, good will win because that's kind of the point of this the story here. Like, he's no, selected here because he's good. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I, th- I think we're looking at everything else is being corrupted by the darkness, whereas he, you know. So I'm. Um, uh, Exciting. I think this scene was exciting from a plot progression point of view because someone got all the information, at least yeah. enough of it to like move things forward. It's, it's exciting. Can, the question is, can Andy, as Andy, you know, get that information across to people? I think you because you see that scene where he walks out here and he's like, "Oh, we need to do this. This is who she is," and people are after her. That is the most succinct and to the point he has ever been. Oh no, you're right. Actually, yeah, he's he's very clear. And it's he's like, just like, no, this is it. And he's still, like, the next scene we see him in the jail cell, he's still acting like Andy. But when it comes to this information, it feels like, no, his head's clear. He knows what he's talking about here. At least when he needs to know it. Maybe he won't always be talking about it, but when something comes up, it's like, no, this is yeah. what it is. This is what we need to do. Uh, and I think that's exciting. So I think it's exciting from the point of view of, A, giving Andy a big, a big thing to do. Like, Andy's got a big important part of him now. He's a big important part of the show now. It's also exciting because the Foundado, that's something from the Lodge that is now also in Twin Peaks. And then just the pure excitement of finding this entrance to the Lodge and the static and all. Fantastic. These last, like, ten minutes, whatever it was. Yeah, I have no idea. I feel like, uh, you know, when they get back from that time-lapse yeah. fog, I feel like this that whole section of this show is like, I have no idea how long that was, but it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I can't praise, like, these... I mean, this whole episode so far, to be honest, and I don't really have any complaints about most of the rest either, but super exciting. Yeah. For lots of reasons. Uh, from character perspectives, from plot progression to the overall mythology, uh, and just all of it. Good stuff. Um, 
And beautifully shot. Some of the most beautiful shot stuff in the entire season was in this. Them going to the location, all the trees, the shot of the, the tree trunk, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so, then we, we cut back to the police station uh, and around the jail cell with Nado, which they're putting her in a cell to keep her safe. That, that's yeah. his thinking, which, you know, not terrible thinking. I think cell number nine, just in case it was relevant. I never even noticed. That's fair enough. I think she was nine. Her, hers was... A little bit, you know, the other people in the cells have got their numbers. Hers was a little bit obscured most of the time, right, okay. but it looked like a nine. Um, so number nine. Uh, so Lizzie's helping. They're having a sweet little moment. Um, and when they leave, so Nado's making some more noises again. This was this was even more dolphin like. There was more of a, a higher pitch thing here. Um, Chad is yelling constantly. In fact, before uh, Andy leaves, he goes over again, sort of showing how good Andy is. He goes over to over to Chess's. Uh, you're a very bad person, Chad. You give good police officers a bad name. Uh, and again, yeah. it's this purity of uh, of Andy. Yeah. So, uh, there's also a sick man in one of the cells. And perhaps most interestingly, he is repeating lines, kind of like a certain someone that we've had all yeah, season. Yeah, I've got that as well. And uh, again, he seems... You know, in the same way we've been saying how these certain people seem to be tapping into him. You know, like mm. Jerry and you know, we've mentioned Candy. Again, he seems kind of out of it. It kind of fits the bill. Yeah, he he's out of it. He's also he's got a wound on his cheek. Uh, may even be a gunshot. Like it was that kind of size. I mean, admittedly, yeah. I would expect. I mean, I'd expect someone to be dead to be shot in the cheek. But depending on angle and whatnot, I mean, it could. But you're assuming someone shot him. He didn't shoot himself from inside out. That's a good point. Yeah, that wouldn't kill you because it would just be a hole in the cheek. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be that bad. I mean, it'd be, it'd be painful, but it wouldn't <laughs> be, be lethal for sure. Yeah. Um, That's my point. Yeah, but it's just flesh. It's not, right, yeah, uh, nothing lethal there. Uh, <laughs> so, so he's repeating stuff. Not only is he repeating what Chad's saying, he's repeating what Nado's doing as well. She, she's making these noises, and he's kind of mimicking the noises. I, I was almost expecting his mimic to be a translation, like mm. at, at some point. I was almost expecting it to be, you know, his be clearer. Yeah, I can, I can see it. Um, so, repeating Nado's making noises. Um, I don't really have anything more to add here. Chad gets frustrated and sort of lies back down. Of course, the one final thing here is that the sick man is... At first, it just looks like he's bleeding. He's like bleeding from the nose and mouth, right? And then the camera goes down at the end of the scene, and it's like, is that Garmin Bosia? It looks a wee bit yellow. There's a bit, a bit of yellow look a in bit there. Yellow, doesn't it? It, it? it definitely didn't look blood red, for sure. No, it, it, had, it was more of a an orangey-brown. It was almost like it was mixed. It was blood mixed with a bit of... Because it didn't look... Because when when Doppelkoop, you know, threw up the Garmin Bosia, it was like thick yellow and black. Yeah, like it definitely wasn't that. Yeah, like I say it was more or- orangey, murky brown, like a like dirty water sort of thing. Yeah, it, it was almost like the blood was starting to mix in with a little bit of it, and it was like diluted kind of yeah kind of idea. Uh, but interesting. More on that possibly later, depending on theories. Um, so then we go to the Great Northern. Uh, with James, we got, so we got a scene with James that's not in the roadhouse. Uh, with Freddie, who I, and I remember, I don't know, I can't remember if I said it on the on the review for the the first two episodes, but at the end of episode two, when they came out of the roadhouse, um, I do, I do remember vividly thinking, why does his friend have a, a glove in his hand, right? I remember vividly thinking that. <laughs> you um, definitely never mentioned it. Did I not mention it? Well, I definitely remember thinking it, and sure enough, we get we get this scene, and they work, they're both security guards who work for the Great Northern. What did they ask for? And that's what James's job is now. That's cool. Um, well, yeah. Clearly, the roadhouse doesn't pay well enough. Cool or not? I mean, who's paying them for just you I mean, and I? I mean, they can pay nine inch nails, but not James. <laughs> That's a good point. And Lissy, they got Lissy for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, 
So they're, they're sitting there. I, I want to point out as well um, that James at one point says, oh, we're cool. And then I just wrote down next to that quote, he's always been cool. <laughs> Such a knob. <laughs> um, so so Freddy, uh, who's English, is trying to... Well, I mean, but you'd never notice with that thick accent. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It, it, was, anyway, it was not, not a great accent either. Well, actually, the thing, I think he probably is English, but he's just been told to... Play it up. Yeah, because it, the, the moment that got me, because the whole thing was kind of over the top, but the moment that got me is he referred to London as London Town, and I'm like, do people say that no. these days? No, no they don't. <laughs> yeah. You're okay. People do not refer to it as that. Because when, when I hear, you know, London Town, I, I think of, like, 150 years ago, I think of Jack the Ripper times. I, I think, I mean, he, he mentions, you know, the word Jobsworth. The way he says it again, that's another word that you don't really hmm. hear very often now. But then, I mean... Maybe that's the point. Maybe he's like an old soul. Like maybe he does say things that most people don't say now. Right. But oh, maybe maybe that's kind of part of the point. Um, but he's he's trying to like uh, he's trying to crack open some nuts, and his his green hand, his gloved hand, is like just it's just obliterating the the, the debris after he's he's smashed. Yeah, them. they're just dust. And it happens a couple of times. And then James is like, "Oh, let me do that," and he gets the nutcracker, and he's he's going for it. And so they talk about, before they get to the, the meat of the story here, which we're going to talk about. Uh, they're like, okay, we're just waiting for this last delivery, blah, 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 blah. Um, and James wants to go to the roadhouse afterwards. And Freddy's like, oh, I just want to see if Renee is there. And I'm like, okay, so that's probably the woman who was like ogling at him in the last episode, you'd imagine. That, or he knows who's playing at the roadhouse tonight. Although he says it doesn't. They, they, they don't know. Because he asks. He asks who's well, playing tonight. Too. And then he says, oh, I'm not sure. Um, and then. Seems really strange they wouldn't bill it. If it's Lussie, yeah. <laughs> yeah they just bank on people showing up every night. They're just like, oh, we, we don't give a shit who we bug. Whoever it is, you're all going to turn up anyway. True, true. I mean, I mean, obviously we've had some theories about scenes been out of order. Maybe this is not the same night as Lussie, admittedly. I mean, that's fair. That's, that's entirely possible. Um, hell, wouldn't amaze, wouldn't, amaze, wouldn't amaze me that much if this was set before the first time we see him in the roadhouse. Like, if that's the night, the same night. Like, when they walk in at the end of episode two. No, yeah. There's really nothing work. to say that it couldn't be. No, the two of them together, going to the roadhouse, seeing yeah. the woman. Yeah, it would work. Um, because there was no, no mention of his performance. You know, it was not like, oh, nice nice, nice set. I never brought... Because you'd feel like he'd probably make fun of him or at least compliment him on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so he also points out, uh, Freddie points out that Renee's married, and James like, yeah, I know. And I thought, James, you're at it again. Laura was Bobby's girlfriend as well, you know, back in the start of the show. Is yeah. this his thing? He's, he's a little adulterer. He does this. This is just his thing. And he, even I, I hate to bring it up. I know. I, I was just thinking. I was. I was not <laughs> going to do it. I didn't want to do it. I was like, I'm not going to say it. I'm, I'm thinking it, but I'm not going to say it. And I hate to bring it up, but Evelyn, what did I say? Was that her name? Yeah, was that yeah. The, the part of the show we hated? Um, I remember it with a fiery passion. <laughs> but even she was married, like you know. Yeah. So he's, oh. got, he's, he's got a bit of a thing, hasn't he? He's got a bit of a thing. That's his, that's his flaw. He's otherwise a very nice guy. He's, he's cool. He's cool. He's always been cool. Uh, but yeah, so oh, God. there you go. All right, all right. Page four of the notes. Yeah, onto onto what this scene actually is. Yeah, the bulk of this scene. So it's not a bit of glove, right? And I've got some just point I'll just rattle off some points here. So you can't take it off. Doctor tried to and he bled. Um and this happened about six months ago. And he tells this story about how he was out one night 
with friends or whatever drinking, and he was walking home, and he he sort of took, went into an alley for a shortcut. It's just an alley. It's an alleyway that he usually takes, uh, but for whatever reason, this this particular night, he suddenly felt overcome with a feeling that he was wasting his life, that he was doing the wrong thing with his life. You know, he was wasting his time, and that he quote should be helping people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I do that he's a good person deep down, and maybe he realised that he should be doing more. Um, so there was this stack of boxes that he just says this as if it's a normal thing to say. So I just jumped on them for fun. Yeah. He's 23, by the way. He points out that he's 23. He's not 10. Just want to yeah. make yeah, that yeah, clear. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then he's like, and just out of nowhere after that, a vortex opened. And I'm like, my God. I mean, we're not seeing this one, but that's two vortexes in one episode. I know. Uh, and, then he's like, and then I was in this place. I was floating. And then he's like... Floating in a void. In a void. And then this 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 guy, I, it, you know, what, it was it was being so thick with the, the the heavy English slang to the point where I thought it was it was like, come on, give James a chance to understand half the things you're saying. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping up alright, but this is cruel. Yeah, I mean, I was struggling at points, but it, I kind of swore. Like, I don't think he did, but when he says that there was this guy there called the fireman, like I almost thought he said geezer for a minute. I was like, oh, it was this geezer there named the fireman? Probably should have said that. Uh, but of course, we just found out who the fireman is. Yeah, it was just course. confirmed to us that that wasn't. I mean, we kind of knew anyway from various other things, but definitely we had just confirmed that the fireman is the giant. Uh, and the giant tells him this: go to uh, the hardware store near his house, buy uh, a green glove, this green guardian glove. There'll be in a packet that's already opened, and that'll be the only one that's there, the right one. And when you put the right one on, <laughs> your hand will have the power of a pile driver. <laughs> I wrote that down as well. Which I, I, first, no, no, power of an enormous pile driver. Oh, forgive me, forgive me, enormous pile driver. So first things first, we have a better iron fist on Twin Peaks than we do an iron fist. That's that's one. Yep. Uh, number two, we started this episode with oh my god, Janie E's Diane's sister, and now we're at magical glove. Yeah, yeah, Diane's sister, iron fist. <laughs> <laughs> so just to go back to how much of a better iron fist he is. This guy actually wants to help people. He does. That was his realisation. He's like, Joe, I should be helping people. He's a better yeah. person already. Yeah, he's also more interesting because he's got all this this weird story. <laughs> uh, and so he goes to the store the next day, he wakes up, he's, he's in his room. When he, when he sort of reappears in reality, if you will, he's just in his room. So he goes to the store nearby and the guy's like, uh, I can't sell you that one, it's been opened. You Because know, he finds, you know, sure enough, it's there. The green glove, one one in the packet, the left one's missing. Uh and the guy's like, I can't sell you that one. And that's when he brings up the word jobs worth, which is, you know, someone who's, oh, I thought, you know, that's more than my job's worth kind of idea. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so so he ends up grabbing it and running because the guy just won't sell him it. And the guy chases him down. And this is where I start, I, I thought he was throwing in a little bit too many like English things because he, he mentioned, oh, he tackled me enough to get a red card. And I'm like, Come on now! Oh no, uh, that's fine. But the next one, you've got you've got actual Cockney rhyming slang coming up. We do. I actually I didn't know what that meant. I had oh, did to, you not? I had no idea what body part it meant. I mean, I got the, the intent of the meaning, but I didn't know what the body part was. Right. So apparently, Gregory means neck for for anyone. Gregory Peck is your neck. So stupid. I don't even know why I know so much rhyming slang. I know far too much. It's stupid is what it is. Anyway, so. Guy tackles him and he punches him, and it's and he just does a regular punch. But then the guy's reaction, the way he, 
the the way he's, he's next twisted and the way he's reacting, he's that's when he says he's feared that he's broke his neck, that he snapped his neck. Yes. Um, and it's like okay, right? So super strength, and I'm like, right? We're already seen that arm wrestling's a big thing, uh, and you know, Doppelkoop's got the, the super strength arm wrestling. So now we have potentially even. I mean, sure, technically the strength of the arm wrestle's not the hand, but still. Do you know what I love about this is, I can't help but think of Nadine. Mm, a little bit. I, I remember when we watched through that original show and we were like. That Nadine thing never really went anywhere. Like, what was the purpose of setting up that strength? And now I'm looking at it going, was it all a precursor to this? In it a way. Me, it makes me wonder if whatever he's going to do was originally what Nadine was going to do. Should that, it... that, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Was, like, was, was this originally intended for Nadine? Possibly, yeah. Or just it's a variation of it because now they have this character going to achieve whatever she was going to do, yeah. Right. Uh, and again, it's this the firemen coming in and like putting the pieces in place so that we can fight back with whatever's coming, kind of idea. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so then you know, yeah. James asks a couple of questions at this point. He's kind of finished his story. He's like, oh yeah, and he, he brings up some things that he that he remembered afterwards that the the, the firemen also told him. Uh, yes. Once you've got the glove on, go to Twin Peaks. Uh, it was more specific. Find your destiny. Yeah, and fi- you know, you will find your destiny. So again, he's here for something important. He's here for a reason. Um, he's put him in place because he knows he'll be needed. Um, and then James asked, why you? And he's like, well, I asked that as well. I said, why you? And the, the fireman responded, why not you? Yeah. And it's almost, and I think it's important that he, right before he made that leap that led to the vortex, he had the, he made the choice sort of internally. I should be doing more with my life. I should be helping people. Right, and it, it, it kind of goes in with Andy. It's like, sure, I should be a better person. Yeah, and it was like it was like the the fireman is giving him the the tools to achieve that. Like it's like mm. no, you're good inside. You're you're making an effort to be good. I'm going to help you with that. Yeah. So no fun stuff, fun stuff. Uh, so James, a little bit weirded out. He's uh, like, okay, I'm going to go check the furnace because I'm supposed to do that. Uh, you wait for deliveries, and he goes down to the furnace. And uh, the first thing I wrote when we it's very creepy. There's a lot of humming machinery. Obviously, that that hum that we've been hearing inside the the Great Northern's yeah, still yeah. there. It almost feels louder because it's like, coming from down here. Uh, one thing I noted, but the first thing I said was, "Did James just enter Silent Hill?" <laughs> yeah, that's what you said. And you know, in between that, in between you know the the you know Babylon from the the first couple of episodes or the experiment as it's credited as, I'm like. David Lynch can knock out a hell of a Silent Hill movie. If if he if he wanted to, he could do it. Yeah, you're right. He could. He really could. That um, that's like one of those properties that's begging to just be something twisted and mm-hmm. you know just just you know go strange with it. It is. It, it really is. Uh, even the themes of Silent Hill sort of lend themselves to Lynch. Right. The idea of loss and making mistakes in your life, and that's why you end up here. If, if he ever wanted to work on a, a property that he didn't create again. Yeah. That one. Uh, I don't think he will, admittedly. <laughs> I mean, if he ever did, no. yeah. Uh, also, uh, one final note, actually, but the, the, he said that he already had the plane ticket. When he went to buy a plane ticket to come to the US, yeah. he, he already, there was already one waiting for him. Which, yes. you know, interesting of itself. Uh, uh, nice to see the, the, the fireman's generous as well. He's like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't is. expect you to pay for this. I'm, I'm giving you a mission, but I'll pay for your ticket. So, so humming noise, there's various rumbling going on. Um, James does look concerned, he looks scared it's very ominous and in the final shot the camera kind of like pans round and it ends on a door 
There's a mm. door in the basement down this furnace area that it ends on, and that's, that's when it cuts to the next scene. Um, so obviously we're having this humming. There's a couple of things I want to point out here. Uh, one, this is I can't take credit for this. I saw this online, but apparently this noise is actually a lower-pitched version of something we've heard before, way back uh, season one, episode three, when we first had the dream in the in the red room. All oh, right. Okay. Apparently there was a noise in that scene. Um, just after the, the the man from the other place says something along the lines of "Oh, there's always music in the air." Yeah. Uh, there's a noise that happens after that. Apparently, this this humming noise is that, but pitched down. Um, okay. I've not actually went back and looked to confirm it, but I felt that was notable enough to bring up that this like it's it's not quite right again. You know, it's yeah. it's it's this darker version because you know, in the sense that that lower pitch is typically more associated with evil. Yeah. Like, it's almost like good and bad is, is high and low. But the other more interesting thing that I actually did think of, and it's actually kind of comparing it to that same episode, do you remember the start of that dream where it was, uh, you know, making Bob and Bob was saying that he's killed and he's going to kill again, like that that portion mm. of it. And he was actually in like, a furnace room. It was that kind of room that he was in. And there was like all the, the rumbling and the machines going on. And it was like, and I, I don't, I'm not just even saying it was the same furnace, but I think but it's the, kinda, the imagery's there, yeah. Yeah, it's very notable that it's a very similar location uh, to to what we're seeing in this furnace area. Um, yeah, and I, I thought that was interesting. But, uh, yeah, it is. I I I kind of forgotten about that moment. To be honest, it, got, it gets overshadowed by the rest of that dream sequence. It it, it kind of does, but you know, he it, it's kind of funny that in that third episode, he is kind of saying, "Yeah, it was me that killed her." Like, <laughs> yeah, mystery solved. It was me. It was me all along. It was Bob. Yep. You know. Um, it's amazing that, that, that I mean that was episode three that introduces to the to the red room it introduces to the whole idea of the convenience store was in that episode it's just amazing how like early some of this stuff was oh it is yeah brought in and we're still kind of paying off and learning more about a lot of it now it's, it's insane um, but no a really interesting scene which leads me to my last page of notes we have two more scenes to talk about so at this point. We've had the uh, we have had connecting of things between you know the FBI and Twin Peaks. We had the the Janie E's Diane's sister revelation. We had Vortex. We had uh, you know f- finding uh, Neda Neda. Is that what I said her name was? Neda. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we found her and they go into the White Lodge. The power glove, <laughs> like so much. Yeah. So so yeah. so much by this point that I'm thinking right there can't be anything more big. There can't be anything more. Insane. Enter Sarah Palmer. Enter Sarah Palmer, who you know, last episode we had that scene with her uh, in the house. The one, the one kind of like actual sequential thing that was kind of in that, you know, beyond what we were reading into the the, the hints and details, was that she was out of booze. She ran out. She was trying to find more booze, and she was, or all her bottles were empty. So sure enough, in this episode, she's going to a bar because you know there's, there's a place to get booze. You know, hey, they, they 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 tend to have a pretty much an unlimited supply. Yeah, and you know, after a certain time, the stores aren't selling it anymore. That's your option if you want more. So she goes goes to the bar. She goes in, and you know, very slow pace, very deliberate scene like Lynch typically does. Where we have her walking in, kind of the whole thing in real time, sits yeah. up at the bar, orders a drink, Bloody Mary. Which, I mean, yeah, I got I I just, wrote that down as well. Yeah. Um. So. Okay. So as a man who notices her, uh, you know. In his fifties or maybe sixties, pushing maybe yeah. in that age range. But he catches he catches her eye. Uh, he's got a truck you shirt on, as if that's funny. 
uh, I was not impressed. <laughs> I was already not impressed. You know, we, when it just keeps cutting over to him, he's there in the cap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, I don't like, like this guy. That's yeah. the knob. And he comes over and he's basically, like, you know, he has a chat up line. He's like, oh, you're drinking alone tonight. And she's like, oh, mind your own business, please. Like, that's not polite. Wasn't meant to be polite. And that's when he immediately starts getting vulgar. He starts. Uh, I, I love the irony of that. You know, like, oh, that's not polite after she said please. <laughs> yeah. But she, she, he immediately starts getting vulgar. He starts, you know, dropping C bombs on her, uh, calling her, uh, I'll, I'll just say lesbian. A much harsher word, though, for, for what it was. Yes. Uh, and it gets very, very kind of graphic to the point where he says that he's going to eat her. Yeah. You know, sea bomb. <laughs> I feel there's no nice word to say that. Nothing I was about to say in my head made sounded good. All of it sounded kind of vulgar. It is, isn't it? But if you just say vagina, it sounds like weird. It's, it's too clinical, then. Yeah, it's too clinical. There's no, at, at least with the penis, like penis is too clinical. But you can say dick, and it doesn't sound that harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, strange, isn't it? We need a middle of the road word for for vagina. We'll have to come up with one for next week. That's that, that's our homework. Yeah, and flowers too kiddy. Like, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's what my yeah, kid yeah. calls it. That's weird. Um, but anyway, so so he says, "Yeah, I'm going to eat that," and then she says, "I'll eat you." And yeah, I'm like, I, I was bet, like at this part, I was just kind of engrossed in the conversation. I wasn't yeah. writing that much down, and then I just wrote, I just wrote down uh, my, my notes go from truck you shirt to I'll eat you. And it's like really, it's like threatening as hell. Yeah. And of course, he actually really big and macho backwards. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll, I'll do this. I'll rip your tits off, whatever he says. And it's very ominous. It started to build. And I'm like, you know, everything we've been building with her, her weirdness, like, I'm actually kind of concerned about how dark this is about to get. And I don't think, you know, the bass hum comes in. I've, I've written down the bass hum specifically yeah. here. So, Connor, I, I want an honest answer. Did, did you at all even for a, a, a fraction of a glimpse predict what she was no. about to do not at all she stood up and she put her hand on her face I was like where's this going and just as she's doing it you're sort of like wait I've seen this motion before yeah and I was like hang on really Sarah and Palmer and of course uh, episode 2 when we saw Laura in the in the red room she did this for Cooper she pulled off her face and it was a blinding white light that was in her in her head Right, that's what we saw when yeah. when she done it. Sarah pulls off her face. It's kind of black and cloudy. And there's, there's these spikes that come out the bottom. It's like, like three little spikes. And they go jab, jab, jab. Yeah. Very creepy. Is it, do you know what it reminded me of? It was very T1000, if you, if you imagine. Yeah, it, it almost reminded me of like it was a hand. Mm, but spiky. Like yeah. yeah. But spiky. Um, and then a white hand comes up and t- again it's like this oval where the face has been opened right and this white hand comes up however the the spirit finger the ring finger uh is black right yeah. so again so evil whatever and then that hand does the same thing it then reveals a face and we see probably the creepiest image of this show is this smile where again it's all shadowy and sort of black clouds but there's a smile this big it's ring like teeth. A, an x-ray like all, it's all these negatives of the smile yeah but th- th- this mouth is far too big for her face like it's like going off the sides it's a proper joker grin isn't it yeah and it's super evil and it's right around here where she says you don't want to f with me yeah um or do you really want to f with me um and it's smiling inside and then she puts the face back on 
and then she, and I'm going to use a very specific word here, she stutters forward and rips off this guy's throat with her mouth. She bites his throat off. And it was very reminiscent to me of Babylon in episode one. Yeah, it to just it, but it, it happens in the blink of an eye. Yeah, like, it's you small, can blink and yeah. literally blink and miss it. Smaller scale, smaller scale. It's, it's not the big sort of you know f- all over the place, but it does make me wonder if Babylon got out of that box, which we've seen seen Babylon do in episode one. Did it then it, come to Sarah? It is Sarah, it, in the same way that uh, Bob has a host, and you know we've seen yeah you know, it was Leland and and Doppelcoop. Yeah, is Sarah Palmer the host for Babylon? Possibly. And it makes me wonder, like... Now, I know some people have pointed out that the in-canon age of Sarah Palmer does not line up with the, the 50s scene in uh, episode 8, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm fully aware of that. I still do think, though, that this may be kind of... At least right now, it's the strongest hint we have that that girl in that scene is Sarah Palmer. Yeah. Do you know what I, I love about the, the faces part? Is obviously... Mm. The whole thing when, when Laura did it, and you know, it was white, it was like revealing her true soul like you know this is yeah this is what i am inside i'm this white light sarah palmer it's 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 gray it's murky it's like okay that's that's not evil but it's not good she's a she's a person she's flawed right Mm. but then it opens again it's like no something else is in there something else is there yeah that's kind of how i read it it was like something else is taking over and i don't know if it's just because babylon got out and then went to sarah if you, if you, but if you believe that the girl in the 50s section is Sarah, and I'm, even though the age doesn't line up exactly, I'm still kind of leaning towards it, because it, that bug that went in her, what if that was like something that was always there? And she wasn't possessed the whole time, or she wasn't like, but over time it's grown inside. And it's yeah. only now at this sort of later ages where it's fully, you know, fleshed out and fully, you know, flourished and mm. taken over. Because it feels, yeah, something else is in there taking control. Yeah. Um, that, that's definitely what that that second face w- was to me. It was like, no, yeah. you know, if the first face is this is her true self, like like it was for Laura, and then it's like, no, but there's something else in there doing it. Yeah. Um, because I, I, look, looking back at like the you know the earlier seasons of the show when she reacts to Laura's death, it doesn't feel like there's something more sinister about her then. She still feels like a human being then. A strange human being, but yeah. Yeah, she has connections and she, she she has the dreams and she sees things, but it still it, it definitely does feel like she's not evil like she is now. So the two the, the two possibilities here is that that thing that went to the girl in the fifties, if that was Sarah Palmer, has grown over time and is now taking control now in later aged life, or it, it is Babylon because it's very reminiscent of Babylon in episode two, and because Babylon got out the box and is now in the real world, it's in, it's it's now inhabited Sarah Palmer. Like that's where yeah. it is now. Uh, and bo- uh, both work for me. Like I think they're both good ideas. I agree. And uh, just to follow that up is, after it happens, she plays it like, I don't know what happened, obviously. Now, do you think she's just playing that? Or is there like almost a literal switch where it's well, like a personality switch? You know, you know, in the sense that Leland didn't really remember what he was doing as Bob. Well, yeah, that's, that's the interesting thing, though, because she actually scared at first, and I felt like that immediately. But then, when the bartender tried to accuse her of things, um, she says, "Yeah, sure is a mystery, huh?" And it's a very, yeah. like, it, it it does feel like maybe it's intentionally leading, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure on that. I, I feel like it may not be a complete switch. Just, a, just an act. But there's definitely part of her still there. Like she's still acting like her throughout most of the time. Like, but that lines up with all the other like various possessions and doppelgangers we've had. Like, there's always right. been elements of the people there. Uh, but 
no, it blew my mind though. Like, I wasn't expecting, expecting not at this. all. And it makes me wonder, like, if that bug thing in episode eight was sort of an implant, so that eventually Babylon would either either herself or have like a disciple in a person. It's interesting that in episode eight that came after the birth of Laura and like the the White Lodge, like because we had birth of Bob, nuclear blast, right? Yeah. Then it went to the White Lodge. We had the creation of Laura. It's almost like that bug was hatched and went to that girl as a as a countermeasure to what the fireman just did. I, I wouldn't quite say counter. I'd say backup plan. Okay, backup plan. Because because yeah. I think what the fireman did with Laura was the countermeasure to the original act of. of oh Bob. sure, yeah, he he so, was definitely reacting to. Right, Bob. so his was the yeah. countermeasure, and theirs was like right, okay, we see this fight's coming, we know where it's going, but we're gonna have a backup. Yeah, and it makes me wonder because obviously we have Cooper, who seems to be the be all end all, but then. Clearly, the fireman's recruiting others. He's recruited Andy. He's recruiting Freddy. You know, yeah. like who else is he? Is he recruiting? Who, who else is going to like kind of be in this war? Is it as it were? Like, um, and it, it's it's interesting to me that maybe the other people he's recruiting aren't kind of like planted in the same way that like Laura might have been or whatever. Like, I mean, maybe that's like a, a testament to like you know, Cooper. At least as far as we know, was not a planted thing. It was more he is by his nature good, so he was chosen to to help fight. He was chosen to have messages sent to him. Yeah, chosen rather than... With Laura, it's almost like... You know, it's the thing where it's... She's good, so it revolves around her. Whereas mm. Cooper's like, no, he's good, so I'm going to reward that and make him part of my thing. I do wonder, though. I wonder, like... Like, you know, Giant created Laura, right? Sent Laura down, or her essence, or spirit. What if her purpose was actually heavily corrupted by... Like, because, you know, she was surrounded with Bob. Like, Bob kind of, like, got to her. Like, got into her circle. Right, and, and that's kind of what the whole point of Firewalk with me was. You know, yeah. we were seeing how how broken this, this woman yeah. was. And it's like, what what was she supposed to do before? Like, if that hadn't happened, if she was let to actually evolve and, like, become who she was going to be without that interference, like, what would she have been? Like, who, you know... And it makes me like, okay, so is Cooper the replacement for that? Is Cooper now the best chance we've got at winning? Yeah, and I love that it makes feel like Bob going to Leland was intentional. Intentional, like yeah. it was the, the she was the target, yes. rather than rather than coincidence. Oh yeah, I, 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 I never, was, I never thought it was a coincidence. I always felt like it was intentional. No, no, but yeah. it, it feels more like, especially with the timey wimey stuff. It's like no, that yeah. was that was targeted there, very very purposely to corrupt that. Yeah. Yeah. So fascinating stuff. Great again. Great scene. Horrific. Uh, again, very kind of Silent Hill-esque and creepy yeah. as shit. When the bartender's like, she's like, oh, what happened? He goes, oh, he just fell. She goes, but half his throat's missing. <laughs> That's good stuff. And uh, do you know I'm liking as well? Is that there's this almost like tangent to it that feels almost Lovecraftian, like there's some greater force coming that we can't... Especially when we get to this next scene when we're talking about how all these random other townsfolk in Twin Peaks and we're seeing them talk about things and we're seeing how they've all been affected. The random sick people, you know, the, the crazy women in the, the car when the, the, the gun went off and like Bobby was talking to her. Like all these different people. It really feels like everything's getting really dark because of something big's coming. Some big force of nature is about to hit. I'm glad you brought that one up then, the woman in the car. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Re- <laughs> relevant. We need to get home. Actually, I'm glad I thought of that scene because something just popped. Something relevant. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was saying it's relevant. I've got that written down. Yeah, but the uncle? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there interesting. You, yeah, did you, not, you just clogged it now as I've said that. Yeah, that part didn't 
Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll go to the Roadhouse. But before we get to the band, we have, like we've had a few times, a couple of random characters. I did catch their names uh, from the credits and confirmed them. Uh, Megan, uh, whose who's real last name is Lynch. So Lynch's daughter or maybe a niece or something like that. Uh, so just a bit of trivia for you. Uh, and then the, the woman who's asking all the questions is Sophie. Right, so it's Megan and Sophie. Um, so, so Sophie's concerned about Megan, and she's like, "You're not going to the nut house, are you?" And she says it a couple of times, like it's referring to a a, a place to do drugs. It's not, it's not yeah. a literal nut house. It's a. I, I thought it was really interesting to, to use that choice of word because mm. in the jail cell, Chad was calling, "Oh, this place a nut house." Hmm. Yeah. You know, when 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 they were all screaming. But again, it, it felt very much like, "Oh, you're not getting in with a bad crowd. You're not going with those crazy people." Yeah. Um, and then they, they mentioned, oh, that's a nice sweater. Where did you get it from? Uh, I got it from Paula. Again, this idea that we keep hearing like names brought up who would like have no context for it. It's like, who's Paula? Paula. Um, and then all of a sudden. Yeah. And then and then Sophie's like, so have you seen Billy recently? He's like, not in a few days. I heard you were the last person to see him. And it's like, and it's like, oh, wait, what? And the funny thing is, is, it's right about now where the music starts getting a little bit ominous. It is, yeah. Yeah, and it builds throughout the scene. And and she's like, yeah, yeah, like uh, Billy like ran like over over their fence, which was like you know six foot tall. He jumped a six foot fence. Yeah, yeah. R- ran into the house. He was bleeding from the nose and mouth like profusely, like it was all over the floor. Worth noting, nose and mouth again because the guy in the jail cell. Guy in the jail cell, yeah. Um, and it makes you wonder: is that Billy, or is this happening to multiple people? Right. Um, uh, we don't know enough to yeah. to confirm either way. So. Blood coming out of nose and mouth, and then as soon as after this, it's after he's been in the bathroom for a bit, he just runs back out of the house again. Uh, and then she's like, well, you didn't tell anyone? And like, well, no, nah, we didn't know what was going on. He was acting weird. And it was kind of funny. Like, I almost started to wonder, like, is this Billy stuff? Let's take away the Audrey's in a coma thing, right? Even though I've got an idea to go along with that as well. But let's take away the idea that she maybe isn't in a coma. But definitely something weird happened with her where after we were talking about Billy and stuff, all of a sudden she was forgetting things and things weren't quite right. Yeah. Here, it's like, oh, we weren't really sure what was going on with them. I'm not really sure what happened. And then later on, she asked some more details and she's like, oh, my uncle might have been there. I'm not sure. Like, Yeah. Early in the story, before she mentions that Billy jumped the six foot fence, yeah. she said, my uncle was there. And then it, it is a bit later on where she says, you know, I, I don't remember if he was there. She she mentions me, her and her mother. She's like, yeah, we were there. We were cleaning up the blood. But I don't remember about my uncle. And it, it makes me think, like, this Billy thing, because uh, one of the things we didn't mention on the, the review for that episode, because I, I don't think I noticed it at the time, but it's, I've definitely seen it brought up since then, is the first episode we ever heard about Billy. It was the end of episode seven, I think, uh, where the guy runs in the diner and shouts, shouts yeah. yeah, has anyone seen Billy? And then runs back out. Um... If you go back and look at that scene, there's a weird thing that happens where all the people in the diner change. Really? Yeah, it, it cuts to a shot of Norma doing her, her numbers at her table, like she's always doing, and then it cuts back to the same shot, but everyone's different. Okay. And it makes me wonder, like, is any time this Billy thing comes up, because people aren't supposed to remember it properly, where reality's like... Is it reality out? distorting, yeah. Yeah. Again, it goes back to, you know, the, this, the, the, the fog where... We don't remember things right. Yeah. Got Gordon and Albert not remembering that entire incident with Philip Jeffries. Yeah, it's, it's Billy like Philip Jeffries, where every encounter with them is kind of hazy and doesn't quite add up. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all these scenes where people are talking about Billy seem a lot more interesting and important. It's like, they it's do. built so well that I'm like, okay, now I care about all this At stuff. At first, it's like, who's Billy? Why yeah. should we care? 
But of course, I've I've left out a really interesting part of this conversation to for the end here. Yeah. Uh, so, so after this, Megan Megan then mentions that she thinks that her mum and Billy had a thing. And obviously, we are like, wait a minute, we we know that Audrey and well, Audrey at least in her scene said that she was having an affair with Billy. Yeah. Right. And if you remember in that scene, uh, her husband, whose name I'm forget blanking on right now, Charlie. Charlie. There you go. Uh, he phones Tina. Because Tina was apparently the one in that story that was the last one to see Billy. And Billy and Tina had a husband there. Yeah, and at this point I was like going, oh, so is this Tina? But then I was like, she's she looks young and, you know, they're not talking about a husband. I was like, this yeah. doesn't sound right. And then, yeah, and, and then, this is the really interesting part. Sophie then responds with, and what's your mum's name? And yeah. that, 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 this sentence really sticks out for a, a few reasons. One, either it's weird because she knows her well enough that why would she need to ask that? And even if she doesn't, it's a why really now? yeah, it's a really weird thing to throw out at this what, particular what, moment. What difference does her mum's name make to this story? It doesn't. It's almost like again, she's forgotten something and it's confusing, and she's not she doesn't quite understand. But for us, we're like, oh yes, go on. What is your mum's name? Like, you yeah. know, because we're thinking, is this Audrey's daughter? Maybe even though we've not heard about her yet. And then she's like, Tina. And I'm like, wait, so ah. Tina's having an affair with Billy? What? So, if Audrey's not in a coma, there's two people having an affair with Billy? Billy's a player. <laughs> and I mean, I suppose she would be there, because obviously I'd imagine that this girl's mom would be a similar age to Audrey, and maybe Billy's also a similar age, which would throw away out the window that either the jail cell guy or the guy who people thought was, you know, the truck in episodes uh, yeah. 7 8 around that time. Yeah, uh, pe- people thought like he was the Billy, and I'm not sure. Like, but surely if he's having an affair with two women this age, he's probably around a similar age. You're making assumptions there that are uh, not sure. necessarily fair. Sure, sure, okay, sure. They might both have the younger man. Maybe he's got a thing for older ladies. Sure, possible. But it just again, it feels kind of like it's not adding up. Older married ladies, much like a certain someone. Oh, <laughs> James the set. <laughs> I wonder if Billy's just as cool as James is. Oh dear. Um, so, so go, let's go back to though, the idea that Audrey's in a coma, right? Um, the way I would then sort of interpret this scene is that maybe these two girls work at the hospital where she's in a coma. If these two girls have been talking about this around Audrey, or if one of them has, say, maybe Megan, because her mum's Tina, like, maybe that's how she took in the information, if we're going with the idea that she heard right. this as she's in the coma. Right. And again, like like in in Audrey's world, there was you know Tina was the last person to see him. That, yeah. This doesn't dispute that Tina was one of the last people to see him. Yeah, but some of these other details don't feel to line up. They don't. As well. They don't line up. No. Um, but the the core story still follows through. Hmm. So something something odd with this Billy shenanigans going on. Like who is Billy? Why is there, why is why are people have, having confusing sort of memories of him? Uh, and like even when you know, when Charlie phoned Tina and he got the story and he was like really sort of like oh all right and like then he wouldn't tell Audrey. Did he not tell her because he can't really explain it? He can't really remember it. Maybe or but that's the thing when that, when that phone call happened, it didn't really sound like she, he was hearing about Billy himself. It sounded much. No, more... it sounded like she yeah. just said brought up something else. It's like oh, this yeah. is more important. Yeah, that's, that's what it seemed like at the time. It, it was almost like, you know, if you phone someone, they're like, I'm ill, you know. Mm. And, and you forget about, you know, whatever else you were saying, and you talk about that. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, like a serious illness. She's not got a cold. Right, uh, right. Yeah. 
Um, but I get it. I just, I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, what is this Billy stuff? And again, the music's getting very ominous as she's asking this. And then the conversation does this weird thing as well, where after the, the whole mother's name thing, and then they go quiet for a second, and then it sort of revolves back round to the start of the story almost, where she's like, oh, so he just left after that? And that's when she's she's forgetting the uncle. Like, oh, was the uncle there? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, it's like the more they think about it, the more the memories get yeah. stranger. It's interesting. Something's definitely a foot in Twin Peaks. Oh, aye. I think, uh, I mean... That kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? But I, I just mean, like, everything about this Billy stuff is just, I, I'm actually, like, I'm, what I'm was once a, a weird side plot is now really fascinating. Like, what does this mean? What What is corrupting these people? Yeah. It's it's, it's really, really good stuff. I'm, I'm intrigued by all of it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, my last note was, uh, I don't remember if my uncle was there. Um. But yeah. I've got something after that, but I can't read it. <laughs> um, uh, oh no, sorry, I'm, I'm on the next bit now. I just didn't, I didn't, do, I didn't leave my line break. Okay, what was the next bit? Was the song? Oh, it was just, yeah, it was just a little couple of notes about the performance to myself. Oh, okay. Um, we did cut back to them though. They were, they were kind of sitting quietly, and they, you know, when the music performance started with Lussie, this we sort of cut back to them looking over and then looking uncomfortable. Uh, again, it was showing you that something's not quite right. They're they're, they're aware that. Whatever that story was wasn't lining up for them. They're they're thinking on it, aren't they? They're like, yeah. What was wrong? What was weird about that? Why was that wrong? Yeah, again, it's this idea of like dreamlike states, like a dream where like you kind of roughly remember what happened in a dream, but you're not quite sure how you got from point A to point B. There's like parts that are missing, parts that don't quite yeah. make sense. It kind of feels like that. It's like dreams being a massive theme here, obviously. Yeah, so it's reco- it's like recounting the dream. That's what it almost feels like. Could it be a shared dream Possibly. of some of sorts? Maybe. Oh. If Audrey's in a coma, is she just is she still sharing the dream even though she's not actually awake? And then the rest of it. Yeah, is she like projecting it almost? Mm. Oh. That one's a bit more out there, I admit. Uh, we need more on this before I think we can speculate much more. Uh, I agree. To it, but fascinating. There's, there's definitely. But whenever Billy comes up, there's definitely weird effects happening. Like I say, episode seven, all the people in the diner changed. Um, Audrey scene, of course, was weird, completely on its own. Uh, and then this had a weird tone to it. Went went kind of ominous. The conversation kind of got confusing and looked back on itself. It was odd. And then again, the what's your mother's name? Is a really yeah, odd that's, question. That's the part that kind of even before we get to oh Tina and you know that yeah. yeah. That line sticks out in in the conversation more than anything. Yeah, because it feels unnatural. It's like, why is she asking that now? Even if she doesn't know her mother's her mother's name, why does she need to know it now? Yeah. And if she did know her mother's name, then it's really interesting. It's like, okay, why are you forgetting details? Right, and, like this? and it, you you assume that they knew that she knew it because they're like, eh, these seems like relatively close friends. You know, they've been friends. Yeah. It seems like they've been friends for a while because you know they reference other people and you know. Yeah. Uh, and she's concerned about it. You know, it's like, oh, are you in with that bad crowd? Why would someone who's not really their friend be that concerned to her like that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. But there you go, that is, that is episode uh, 14. 14 of Twin Peaks, The Return. Um, yeah. Just to, uh, obviously there's been a lot more talk about this, uh, or things been out of order. Obviously we talked a lot about the evidence last week. Um, still, still, obviously things are lining up a bit more now. 
but I'm still obviously like we said like is that dream scene taking place before a lot of the other stuff like what else is is out of order now, now that I feel like they've set up because before it was like okay it could be but then you know we had those scenes last week that were just flat out contradictory yeah part of me is almost wondering like are all these scenes of the, 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 the sort of the outsider people in Twin Peaks who were getting little bits of things here or there are they all before a lot of the other stuff or are they all close to the end of the story hmm are they at its worst? Yeah, are they right before the tipping point of the, what the ending's going to be? Yeah, I really don't know. It's fascinating, though. It is. I can't believe we only have four weeks of this left. <sighs> Actually, yeah. no, wait, 15, three. 16. Yeah, three weeks. Shit, that's yeah. worse. Um, four, four episodes. But... Yeah, yeah, three three weeks left. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, so... four, four hours of, of glorious entertainment. And it feels like it's ramping up. It feels like we're entering. It is, you yeah. know, the big finals phase. You know, just on a pure entertainment and this actually performance. I, I rarely write down any notes for the performance, but I actually mm. thought this one was shot really nicely. Just like as a as a music video, almost like you know, the, the actual performance was captured right, really yeah. nicely. There was there was a, there was an energy to it that I think a lot of these have been kind of still. Not not that's against so that I just don't think obviously filming. Musicians more, is different. Yeah, they've been more relaxed, I think, uh, up until this point. Uh, right. Maybe with the exception of maybe the Iron Snails, which is a lot more strobe lighty and there's a lot right, of Right, that had its whole. Yeah, we spoke about that. That was yeah. a whole thing. Uh, whereas, this, and maybe this is kind of the point where it is ramping up. Like, okay, now we're accelerating. So now the, the musical performance is a quicker song. Uh, you know, the, the shooting style reflects it as well. Yeah. All these things come together. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you what. Just, just from a sound perspective, I love the sound of that snare. I cannot wait to see Janie E and Diane together. Oh man, this is, this is, I can't believe we're, we're getting to it at last. And, and you know, things that we expected to happen at some point, you know, it's like, okay, so they're going to meet up with Cooper, you know, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, we get that this is going to happen, but nowhere near when we expected to and nowhere near how or why. I, I am, I mean, obviously, if, I, if I, this is a fantastic episode, Possibly uh, the second best, if not third best, probably the second best. But it's, it's I, up think, there. I think I'd have to go second, personally. Yeah, uh, episode eight is still my winner, I think. Uh, I so, agree, to, just because that blew my mind. Yeah, that was surreal beauty, whereas this was like just like a freight train hitting you with all this great stuff. Yeah. Um, so, but if there's, anything, if there's anything you can take away from this episode, is that there was no Cooper. So I'm very excited for next week to get back to Cooper and see how that progresses and where we're going with that stuff. Uh, And uh, as a final note, of course, this was the one that had uh, In in Memory of David Bowie. It did, it did. Uh, Interesting note, that the screenshot of that that dedication did leak because the episode aired early in Germany. uh, And there was a screenshot saying In Memory of David Bowie uh, floating around the interwebs. And obviously people were like, oh, does that be the shot of thing before he died? And of course it's not. It's just the the footage from Firewall. Which is, you know what? Still, still could happen. Still could have Philip Jeffries just show up at the end. It's like, oh, we shot this early. No, we didn't tell anyone. It's, I'm not expecting. It's it. unlikely. I'm not yeah. expecting it. But yeah. It's it, not it, outside it, the realms. It's it, not impossible. It would be a little interesting to put a dedication here to throw us off, thinking, oh, we won't get one then because right, because this seemed like the obvious place to put it. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting. So that is part fourteen of Twin Peaks. Uh, another fantastic episode. Uh, we're really getting to some meat now. Uh, surreal, weird, nothing else on TV kind of makes me feel the way this does where I'm just kind of like utterly fascinated by everything that's happening. So 
Let us know what you thought this episode, thoughts and theories, speculation, uh, adding your own stuff down in the comments, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Helps us out. Get us on Twitter at mail underscore fudge for channel updates. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can go over to patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. There's a bunch of tiers over there and ways you can help us out. Uh, but if not, that is cool as well. Uh, just keep watching TV. We'll see you next time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Who's Jerry? Have you got any vanilla? Mm-hmm.